Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you here this morning. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're new with us, we love it that you have joined us this morning to sing, to look at God's word now with us. And if you are new, you may not know this, but I'm not the only pastor at this church. We have, uh, we're blessed to have four men who, who help lead and shepherd this church. We call them elders, pastors, really synonymous in scripture. And they're people, including myself, who, who pray for you, who uh, teach you God's word, who help walk alongside you in the midst of real life issues and point you to Jesus. And, and I'm grateful for these men and, and I'm grateful this weekend, uh, we had the gift of an elder, a pastor retreat. And uh, Friday uh, we, we took off uh, and went to Flagstaff. A friend of ours lent us his cabin and we got to get away kind of outside of Phoenix and really just pray to God and focus on God and, and do that with one another and not just talk about the church while we did that, but talk about our, our lives and our, our holiness and our marriages and, and how that all is gonna bleed out into our church. And that's a really big deal. So we wanna set aside a Friday and Saturday to just take some time with God and with each other to do that. And it was an amazing time. I'm excited to see how this weekend will ripple out into this year uh, in our church and your Lives and I believe it will. But before we got to Flagstaff, we had to we had to drive there, and uh, one of our pastors uh, who shall remain nameless, uh, and you'll see why in a minute. He was driving, and uh, we start out on Highway uh, Interstate 17, and I, I look over at him and I say, "Hey, uh, you know where we're going, right?" And he said this. He said, "More or less," <laughs> which is an interesting response because I'm like. Is it more or is it less? Like, are we going to end up in Prescott or Flagstaff? And really what he was saying is like, listen, we're on the 17. Like, I kind of know where we're going. I know we go north on the 17 to Flagstaff. I even kind of know the exit, but I'm not sure if I know all the turns and how to arrive safely at our destination. Right? And so eventually we pulled up some directions and we got there safely and we did pray and we had a great retreat. But, but listen, a lot of us treat life that way, don't we? Like financially, emotionally, relationally, even spiritually. Hey, you know where you're going? Ah, more or less. I mean, I go to church on Sunday. I mean, I, got, I own a Bible. I need to dust it off every once in a while. But like I, more or less, I know where I'm going. And here's what happens. It usually takes a trial or various trials, as James talked about last week, multicolored trials, like when you have a, a side of conflict in your marriage along, sprinkle in your kids aren't sleeping along with some sin in your life that's debilitating. Sometimes it takes multicolored various trials like James talks about for you to realize, not more or less, I don't know where I'm going and I need some help. And that's where we're going today. Our sermon title for the day, if you, if you take notes, is Faith and Wisdom. James is going to tell us, hey, you don't just need help. You don't just need directions. You need wisdom. And not just life experience wisdom, not just something you read in a book. You need wisdom from the source. You need God-sourced, God-centered wisdom in your life. In that financial difficulty, when your kids aren't sleeping, when you have that sin you're still struggling with 10 years later that you thought you would have graduated from, you need wisdom. And he's going to call us to that. I'm going to call us to that as we look at this Together, So grab a Bible with me. We always love for you to look at God's word. That's where the power is, not in my words. Amen? God's word. So pull out a Bible if you have one. If you don't have one, pull up your phone, an app, BibleGateway.com, and your browser. Get there with me. James 1, 5 through 11 is where we're going to be today. 
And just to give you some context, if this is your first Sunday, last week we kicked off this series in the book of James. We, we hear this author, James, talking to us, and we, we learned that he was the brother of Jesus, but then he became a worshiper of Jesus. We looked at the Gospels and saw some of Jesus' family, James, his brother, he was skeptical of Jesus. He didn't think Jesus was God. And then we fast forwarded to the New Testament to, to passages like Galatians chapter 2 where it says, Paul says, hey, James is a pillar of the church now. The church that's founded on Jesus being God. And we talked about what happened to James. He saw the resurrected Christ. He, he encountered the resurrected Christ and his life was changed. And that's our hope for you. Just so you know, today, faith and wisdom, if you don't know Jesus, you can try to read some books, you can try to take some notes today, but if you don't know Jesus, he is wisdom, Scripture's going to tell us. Amen. And you need to know him. And that's what James encountered, and that's how he writes this to us. Here's the first thing we're going to see from him. It's that wisdom is available, but only when you admit you need it. Wisdom is available, but only when you admit you need it. Look at verse 5 with me. I just love the way James starts this out. He says, hey, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's a great question, isn't it? Like, we could just ask that this morning. Like, anybody here lack wisdom? Yeah. Yeah, and some of you who didn't raise your hand, like, you really lack wisdom, right? <laughs> and, and you lack humility, and James is going to talk about both today, right? So you're in luck, right? We, we all lack wisdom, and James is kind of getting at that. And he says, hey, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Now, I imagine if we did a poll, a survey, a quiz, and just said, hey, what's wisdom? We'd get a lot of answers, right? You might say, like, hey, well, it's not, it's not just knowledge. It's the application of knowledge. And, that, and that's true. We would say, if you look at the Bible, it's not just raw information. It's how you apply that information. Literally, as you see the word wisdom in the Bible, Old Testament, New, Hebrew, and Greek, it's this word that refers to a skill, Right, so if you can just try to picture this, it's not just reading books about the ocean, it's knowing how to set sail across the ocean. Right? It's not just knowing about wood, it's being able to craft a wood into a table. It's not just knowing the notes, right? It's being able to, to sing them, right? That's, that's wisdom, and that is wisdom, but here's what's unique about the Bible, here's what's unique about Christianity that's different from our cultural view of wisdom. Wisdom is God-sourced. Wisdom is God-centered. Like true wisdom, biblical wisdom, it's not just the stuff you read about in books. It's not even the skills that you can apply in life. It's knowing God. You see, the Bible over and over tells us that God doesn't just give us wisdom. He is wisdom. Right? Here's just a few places. Isaiah chapter 11, Old Testament, verse 2. It says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom. Colossians chapter 2, it says, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. They're in him. 1 Corinthians 1, Jesus became to us the wisdom of God. So James says, hey, you need wisdom. There's trials going on in your life. You need wisdom. Even if there's not trials going on in your life, you need wisdom. And here's where you go to get it. You ask God. Because he doesn't just give wisdom. He is wisdom. Charles Spurgeon the great old British preacher said it this way. He said, we are all so ready to go to books, to go to men, to go to ceremonies, to anything except to God. Some of you think, well, Tim, ask God for wisdom. Is that simple? I've tried that. I do have some trials in my life. My kids aren't sleeping. 
I don't remember the last time they slept. I do have some financial difficulty, like, and it's not just like there's not enough money in my 401k, like I can't pay rent. And some of you are looking at your, your spiritual life. I, I do, ha- I have some sin that I don't like talking about with people. I have some sin that nobody else knows about, and I'm, today, if I'm honest, I'm putting my best foot forward, and I'm hiding the rest because I don't want people to know about the lust or the greed or the gossip I should be over, I know I should be over this right now, but I'm not. And you think, I need some wisdom. And James is saying, well, have you asked God for it? He's the fountainhead. He's the source of wisdom. It all flows from him. And you're thinking, is it that easy? Because I asked God one time. I mean, I'm here at church, aren't I? Like, I asked God. And what I would say to you is, How many times have you asked him? How long have you been asking him? How many hours have you spent in prayer asking God for wisdom in this sin, in this sickness, in this strife? How long have you been doing that? You you see, if you look at it in grammar students, you'll be able to help me with this. He says, "Let, let, let him ask God. That ask is a present active verb. Here's what that means. It's not a one time thing. You don't ask God for wisdom in that sin, in that sickness, in that strife. One time, expect it to, a magic wand, go away, be fixed, conflict solved. It's not just a one-time thing. Right? It's something you do continually, ongoing. 1 Thessalonians 5, you pray without ceasing. Why? Because that's how we rely upon God. If it was just a magic formula then you would never get humility that he's going to talk about. You would never actually depend on God. You would just say the formula and move on about your life. God wants more than that from you. He wants intimacy with you. So he says, say, you lack wisdom, you ask. You keep asking. You draw near to me. You realize in your own strength you can't fix this sin. It's not going to happen. You have to come to me. You have to ask, ask, ask for wisdom. This is what we're doing with the 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is why we give you this guide to help you. Hey, you don't know how to ask. You don't know how to ask continually. It's hard to pray. What do I say? We want to help you do that. And take 21 days every day together, collectively as a church, to ask God for wisdom in our lives, in our marriages, in our dating relationships, in our friendships, in our sin, to ask, ask, ask for wisdom. This is what we put in practice uh, this weekend at our elder retreat. We took an hour. Part of our session was just to take an hour, go by yourself. Each one of us found a, a, a nook in the, in the cabin and just by ourselves, no phone, Bible, journal, pen, pray to God, talk to God, ask God for wisdom personally in our church. What does that look like? And, and I just said, hey, let's just write those things down. Like, talk to God, but also just listen and write, and for an hour, and, and solitude. And here, here's how, look, let's, let's just be honest, it's church. Can I do that? Yes. Okay, okay, I'm going to do that anyway, but um, I, here's how it looked for me personally. I, I went and found a, a quiet spot. I have my Bible, journal, and pen, no phone, and, and I sit down. I think, okay, I'm going to start working through this, talking to God, reading scripture, and I thought, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> right then. I was like my kid at dinner. Always needs to go to the bathroom at dinner. Amen. Right, parents, it was like that. Like, I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. But I'm like the lead pastor, and I said solitude, but I was like, I really got to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom. I come back, focus, time, listen to God, pray to God, ask for wisdom. And then I realized I have a Fitbit, 
And that Fitbit gives me notifications from my phone. Like, they find you everywhere. <laughs> and my, my mom was texting me. And mom, I'm at an elder retreat. My, my wife was texting. I'm like, okay, how am I supposed to focus? And then, and then I started, I finally, okay, focus, listen to God, ask for wisdom, pray, write it down. And, and you know what I started thinking about? I started thinking about today. I started thinking about my sermon. And my job's a little bit weird as a pastor. Like, that's good, but it's also, it's still, it's still my job. It's my life, but it's my job. And I don't need to be thinking about my sermon right now. I just need to be thinking about me and God. And just, this is going to help that in other ways. And I start writing down notes about my sermon. I'm like, well, I just started getting all these ideas. And so from the bathroom to the Fitbit to my sermon, 15 minutes in, I'm like, this is hard. It's hard to ask God continually. It's hard to listen to God. But that's when we had an hour. And 30 minutes in, I began to, to rest in God and take a deep breath and just focus on him and ask him for wisdom and think about, yeah, God, what are you doing in my life? Not just my sermon. What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my kids' lives? What are you doing in our church? What do you want to do in our church? And I, and I got some silence, focused time to ask God for wisdom, and I started filling up the page with notes. But it took some time. And it took that repetitive, continual asking God. I think some of us, we got trials and we think, I asked God, it didn't work. How many times you asked him? How long, how many hours did you sit down and put away the phone and the Fitbit and the bathroom and just say, God, you are all I need right now. Speak to me in this real life situation. Speak to me. Give me clear eyes to see what you see. Help me throw on your lenses from your word and see life that way. It's a continual thing. So some of you think, Tim, just ask God. It's so simple. You gotta keep asking him. It's a discipline you create in your life. One of those aspects of this discipline is fasting. That's why we're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting and, and calling you not to a religious practice, but calling you to fast, to replace something you normally go to as a craving, as a comfort, replace that with prayer. Take the phone away. Take the food away. Whatever it is for you. And hey, once a day, just practice, continually ask God for wisdom. Because the reality is, for all of us, even in the midst of trials, there are other things we turn to, there are other things we go to and ask for help, right? Like for some of us, it is our phone. You're stressed at work, what's the first thing you do? Well, I just need to numb the pain. I just need to distract myself, escape for a little while, then I'll feel better. Right? For some of you, it's more intense than that, it's, a, it's the bottle. You think, hey, it's at night, depressed, life's not going well, marriage is rocky, Maybe if I just drink a little bit, then, then I can escape, then I can numb the pain. And you go to that and you ask for wisdom from alcohol. Maybe for some of you it's sex. And you just think, hey, if I could just, this is hard. Like if I just focus on this conflict, this is hard. I don't like it. If I could just get some pleasure. I mean, if I could just, if I could just be satisfied physically just for a moment, then I get some, some wisdom. And you have to ask this question this morning. Some of you need to ask this question. Some of you need to start fasting in this 21 days so you can be forced to ask this question, where do I go in the midst of trial? Where do you go? Do you go to those things or do you go to God? Do you go to, the, do you go to God once and if it doesn't work out, magic wand, you just go right back to the other things. Where do you go in the midst of trials? Are you like James asking God for wisdom 
are you relying upon yourself? For some of us, I think what gets in the way of us asking God for wisdom is we just don't understand the character of God. James is going to help us with that. Look at verse 5 again with me. Verse 5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He's the source of wisdom. He is wisdom. And then he describes God's character. Look at it. He says, who gives generously to all without reproach. Literally, what that says is God is generous. He's single-minded. He's single-minded and giving to you. He's a good father, and he says, hey, I want to give to you. And he does it without reproach. He's not finding fault with you. He's not basing whether he gives you wisdom based on your resume or your righteousness. And that leads us to our second point, that if you are in Christ, wisdom is possible, not because of what you do, but because of who he is. It's because he's a generous God. It's because he gives to all without Reproach. That's how we get wisdom. It's the character of God. And many of us, this is where we struggle. We think God may be generous with other people, but not me. God may be generous with more spiritual people, successful people, but not me. God probably does answer everybody else's prayer on the first request, but not me. Because you're thinking about what you have done. And listen, wisdom is possible not because of what you've done, but because of who God is. He's a generous God. He's literally a single-minded God looking at his children. If you're in Christ, he sees not your sin but his son, and he wants to give you wisdom. He makes Oprah look stingy, right? Oprah's all giving out schools, and you get a school, and you get a school. God is a 100 times infinitely more generous than that, right? He's a good father. Later, we're going to read James 1. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, the father of lights. He has no shifting shadows, no variations. He's a good father. Listen, I'm a father of three. I love my kids. We just had Christmas. We're still paying off the debt from that, right? We just had Christmas, and, and, you know, every, like, I got 10, 7, and 4-year-old, right? They've had some Christmases, and they got some stuff. And every year, we kind of think about, like, experience gifts instead of material gifts. Anybody? Like, I just don't want more stuff in my house. I don't want to step on more Legos. Amen? Right? And we think about that, but every time we get a little bit closer to Christmas, we're like, let's just get them a few things. And let's just get them, well, they really want this. Let's just get them that. And before we know it, I'm just like on Amazon Prime, just like buying everything. Why? Because I love my kids. Because I'm their father. And I want to give them good things, right? Listen. I'm an imperfect father. I am a flawed father. God is a perfect father with no shifting shadows or variation, James is going to tell us. How much more does he want to give generously to his kids? And if you're in Christ, you're one of his kids. Amen? Amen? He loves you, not because of what you do, but because of who he is. And he wants to give generously to you, to you, right? And you need to base wisdom, God giving that to you. It's not about the magic formula. It's not about you doing all the right things. It's about who he is. That's our second point. Our third point is this. Wisdom is accessible through faith and expressed in humility. James does something really interesting. He switches back from God's character to our asking. He elaborates, what does it look like to ask? He says we should ask in faith. Look at verse 6. 
He says, but let him ask in faith. Let him believe when he asks. He says, with no doubting. Now, when I read that, I thought, well, wait a second. Maybe some of you are thinking this too. Like, well, wait a second, Tim. I was feeling pretty good about God's a generous God, and he's a gracious father, and he loves me no matter what I do, and he gives generously wisdom to me. I like that. I don't like the but. Like, but ask in faith, no doubting? Well, I guess I, guess I am out, Tim. Like, because I doubt. And I know some of these other people, they, they look nice, they dress nice, they're probably more spiritual than me. Like, they don't doubt, but I doubt maybe wisdom isn't for me. Well, let's look a little bit closer, read our Bibles, understand the context. He describes doubting. Look at it with me. He says it's like a wave, blown by the wind, tossed to and fro. Whatever comes against you, you're just like flipping. You just go from side to side. Who knows where you'll go? James says that's what it's like. And then he says this word, double-minded. Now, this is the only time this phrase, double-minded, is used in New Testament Greek. Some scholars, as I read it, thought James maybe made this up. But what it means, double-minded, is two souls. See, here's what James is talking about when he's talking about doubting. He's talking about somebody who is duplicitous, who's a hypocrite, who outwardly is like, oh, yeah, God's good all the time. God is good. Amen, brother. Like, I'm teachable. I want to learn from God. Some of you today, I want to pray. I'm going to grab the journal. And outwardly, you have faith. But inwardly, you're like, but I really got this. I mean, that was church. I mean, we got really excited, and people were yelling and singing and raising their hands, and I got kind of, kind of got caught up in the emotion. And like, t- but like, three o'clock on a Sunday, Monday morning, eight a.m., going to work, like I got this. But outwardly, I'm teachable. God, wisdom, I need you. Right? He's talking about a two-souled person who is duplicitous, right? and you don't get wisdom that way. Right? Uh, it's like when we had our first child. Um, we, a lot of our friends didn't have kids at that point, and uh, a lot of them came over to hold my child, which was scary, right? And so we gave them, like, an instruction manual as they walked in the door. We're like, hey, and we kind of gave them an interview, like, how many times have you held the child? What happened when that happened? Right? And one particular, this couple comes over, and, and he's honest. He's like, I've never had held a child before. I'm like, okay, well, here's kind of what you do. Like, you got to support the neck, right? And you got to support the head, and you kind of put your elbow under her head and her neck, and you take the other hand, and you support her back, and here's how you do it. And listen, as I'm telling him this, he's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And I'm just like, I don't think you're listening, bro. And, but he's like, oh, yeah, thank you. And he's very appreciative on the outside. Like, he's very, hey, thank you for telling me. Like, I'm so honored to hold your child. I can't believe we get to be friends. And I'm just like, okay. Uh, and he grabs my little baby, who's now 10, year old, 10 years old by the grace of God. Um, he grabs my little baby, and he does, like, something like this. And my baby's head is just dangling off to the side. And I'm just like, give me back my baby. Were you not listening? Oh, yeah, I was listening. And I'm like... No, you weren't. You were acting like you were listening. And internally you thought, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. I got this. I'll hold the baby. Come on now. How hard is it? Right? That's what James is talking about. Two-souled person, double-minded person. Outwardly, you're like, God is good. Teach me. I want wisdom. But Wednesday at work, trying to get that promotion, that's all out the window, and you got to do what you got to do to get yours. Right? And and we know that. We see an example of the opposite of that. In Mark chapter 9, we see this guy show up to Jesus. His son has an unclean spirit. 
He wants Jesus to heal him. And he's having this conversation with Jesus, like, can you heal him? And Jesus is like, if I can, all things are possible with God. You know that, Mark 9? And the guy says, like, well, I believe you can, but help my unbelief. And he has authentic faith, not duplicitous faith, not double-minded faith. He has authentic faith, the kind of faith James is saying you need to have when you ask God for wisdom. And what happens? Jesus heals his kid, because he has authentic faith. So what, what God is looking for, how do you ask continually? How do you ask? You believe authentically. You don't outwardly say, oh yeah, I believe God can do anything, and then privately think, I got this, I run the show. No, you, you authentically just say, I believe, help my unbelief. God, help me. I need more wisdom, so I can believe in you. I need more humility, so I can trust you with this. That's what James is after. Last thing, one of the best expressions of this wisdom is humility. Look at verse 9. James says this. He says, hey, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. He's saying, hey, if it's, if it's bad now, it won't be one day. That if you're in Christ, you will experience exaltation in eternity. And maybe God will heal you here but he eventually will heal you in eternity. He'll make all things right. No more tears, no more pain, no more trial. He says, so the, the lowly brother boasts in that exaltation. Verse 10, he says, and the rich in his humiliation. He, he's saying, hey, if right now you have money, success, fame, don't let that become your identity. Be humbled. Now, I got a lot of things, but one day they're all going to fade. And I need to have my identity not in those things, not in the money, success, fame. I need to have my identity, even if I have those things, deeply rooted in Christ because he is eternal. So that brings humility. He goes on to explain our reality that we will pass away. He says, we're like a flower of the grass. We'll pass away. He says, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls. Its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. James is saying what we all know. Even with all our advances, all our technology, all our money, all our riches, in 2020, even with all that, the mortality rate is still 100%. We'll fade, we'll pass away, we'll wither, and all those things will that you're putting stock in right now don't put your stock in that. You be humble. And a wise person gets that. A wise person is humble. One commentator I read said this. He said, godly wisdom may be summed up with humility. That wisdom is accessible through faith. It's expressed in humility. So, wisdom is available. Are you asking for it? Are you asking for it continually? Are you asking God for it? He's the source. Are you asking God's people for it? Many times in my life, God will reveal something to his word, reveal something in that hour of prayer, but he'll also reveal stuff to me through God's people. And I know for me, and maybe this is like this for you, there's been times in my life where I just thought, well, well who can I go to? What, what, what can I go to and who, who's in God's people that's really gonna be able to help me? And I, like, I need a mentor, and, and I kind of believe the mentor myth. Anybody ever been there? Like, you gotta find that one person who has been walking with Jesus for 15 years longer than you, who's married to someone who has your wife's personality, 
who had kids, they had three kids and, and you have three kids. They like to hunt and, and you like to hunt. They grew up in East Texas and you grew up in East Texas. They got a big dog and you got a big dog. And you're like, well, if I can't find that person, then who do I go to for wisdom? And what I would tell you is that's, that's a myth, right? Some of you have come to me before and you're like, anybody I can go to, find a mentor. I just don't think there's those people here. And I'm like, there's a lot of people here. Well, but I know, but I mean, I want somebody like that I can relate to and that can really help me in this financial hardship and this sin that I'm struggling with in my career that, you know, can kind of relate to that. And what I would say to you is don't just find one, find a lot, right? That's the mentor myth. You're not just going to find one of those people. That's God. When you look to God's people, you can find one person. Hey, man, they're really good in finances, it seems like they, they follow God's word and finances, and they don't go into a lot of debt, and they're wise in that. I want to go to them. And, and somebody else, like, man, I just, I've seen their marriage, and I just, I want that. Like, I hear about them going on dates, like, once a week. Like, how do y'all do that? What do y'all do for a date? I don't even know. Right? How do you get babysitting? And can you share that? Right? And you find that person, and that's what it, the way it's looked in my life. Like, I asked God... I ask God's people, and I don't look for it all in one perfect person because that does not exist outside of Jesus. Amen. But I find a lot of things in a lot of people, and like bricks in a wall of wisdom, you find people, God's people, that can help you ask for wisdom. So what does this look like? You ask God. You spend time. You ask continually. You ask in faith. But you also ask God's people, are you doing that? Today we're going to close with taking communion, and there's really... No better way for us to close. Because as we take communion, if you've never done that before here, if you believe in Jesus, we'd ask you to come down this center aisle, dip this bread in this juice or wine. The bread represents the broken body of Jesus for you. The wine represents the, the blood shed by Jesus for you. So that you could be in Christ. So that God doesn't look at you and see your sin. He sees his son. So that you can ask for wisdom and be given it generously. We're going to take communion to be reminded of that. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not in Christ, what a day to come to know Jesus. You're never going to get wisdom if you don't know wisdom personified in Jesus. And so we ask that you just stay seated and start praying. Stop listening to me. Start talking to God and trust in him. Give your life to him. But as we take communion and as we remember Jesus, I just want to recall us back to the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 30. There's a man named Agur. Proverbs 30, he says this. He says, surely I am too stupid to be a man. Appreciate his honesty. He says, I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One who has ascended to heaven, who has ascended to heaven and come down. This man named Agur in Proverbs 30, he's saying, hey, I, I want wisdom, but I don't have it. And if there was someone who had been in heaven and come down, maybe they could give me wisdom. Fast forward, John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, Jesus is having a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, much like you, is trying to figure out his life. How does life work? How do we end up in the right place in life? And he's having that conversation with Jesus, and listen to what Jesus says. John 3, verse 13, he quotes Proverbs 30. He says, no one has ascended into heaven except who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He's talking about himself. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He's recalling Agur in Proverbs 30, and he's saying, hey, everybody's looking for wisdom. And Agur said, hey, if somebody could just come down from heaven and show us, then we could get it. And Jesus says, hey, I'm the one. 
I'm the one that a guru is looking for. Nicodemus, I'm the one you're looking for. 2020, he's the one you're looking for. He has the one. He is the one who has descended from heaven, became flesh, died on the cross, rose again, ascended to over 500 people, ascended to heaven. And he wants to give you wisdom. You put your trust in him. As we take communion, as we take bread and dip it in juice or the wine, you focus on Jesus. He is wisdom, and he will give it to you if you ask him for it. Let's pray. Father, I do want to thank you for Jesus, who is wisdom. And I want to thank you that Jesus makes wisdom available to us. And God, I pray for every man and woman in this room who, who needs wisdom. Maybe some of them need it more than most. Maybe some of them need it in a, in a desperate moment right now, if they're honest. Because things just aren't going well in their life. And, and if they're honest, they just they need wisdom. God, I pray that they would use this time to ask. And they wouldn't just ask once today in this service, but they would ask tomorrow. They would look at the prayer journal and ask Wednesday. They would cry out to you continuously in their lives, and they would do it in faith, that we would do it in faith. And God, that we would see a generous God who, who does give wisdom generously, that you're a good father, and we can trust you, and we can ask you for wisdom. And God, I do pray, if there's any man, woman, or child here who doesn't know you and doesn't know Jesus as we take communion, that they would just stay seated. And they would get their first dose of wisdom by trusting in the person of Jesus Christ, the source of wisdom. God, help us to take a moment, all of us, to take a moment to talk to you, to celebrate your death and resurrection on our behalf, to celebrate the wisdom you give us that's made possible by your son Jesus and him alone. Help us to do that now. In the name of Jesus, we pray.